Please have a seat. I'd like to welcome Brian. If you'd like to welcome him, it'd be great. And I'd like to pray for you, Brian, okay? Yes, please. Father God, I just thank you once again for bringing Brian to us this morning. And I just pray that we would hear from you through him what you would have us to say. Open our ears and open our hearts, I pray, Lord. And I just pray you would bless him as he brings your word to us. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Can I just move the Bible? It's all right. Not that I don't want the Bible here. I've got the Bible on my tablet. I'm not... <laughs> Good morning, church. How are you? You well? It's hard to say that. You were saying, some of you might say, yes, some of us are, but some of us aren't. So I do apologise. But uh, if you're not feeling uh, great at the moment, and I pray if the worship hasn't done it, if the word doesn't do it, then the spirit will do it. Okay? And I pray that on all of us, including myself. It's great to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to come and share God's word with you. uh, we travelled up from uh, Milton Keynes area, just in case you ask me afterwards, because people have been asking me where, where have I travelled from, so Milton Keynes, that one's answered, okay? Uh, and my name's uh, Brian, and it'd be good to catch up with some of you over coffee before we shoot off. But um, the, the um, Bible uh, passage that I've got for this morning for us is taken from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. If you would like to, um, if you've got a Bible, you want to open it up, you've got a tablet, you want to open up the app for the Bible or your phone or whatever, that'd be cool. Uh, I'll read uh, the first 16 verses in just a moment. Um, but while we were singing um, that last song about um, uh, uh, he holding us in his hands, you know, Isaiah 49 uh, Chapter 49, verse 16 says that our names are written on the palms of his hands. Isn't that beautiful? Our names are written on the palms of his hands. He knows everything about us. And we know that Psalm 139 all too well, don't we? And that wonderful passage of almost like a love letter from God, if you like. And uh, that, when I'm feeling a little bit sort of bruised, battered or low or whatever, sometimes you wake up in the morning, you feel good. And sometimes you wake up in the morning, you think... I don't feel so good. You don't know why, do you? So always um, go to Psalm 139 if, uh, if you don't already. But let us just um, open our, our hearts and minds up to Ephesians chapter 4, um, verses uh, 1 to 16. Paul in prison, literally in prison, and uh, he, he's writing one of four letters uh, to the Ephesians. This is to the Ephesians. And he says, I therefore, the prisoner... In the Lord. He doesn't say, oh guys, I'm in prison, the food's rubbish or anything like that. Straight away he says, I'm a prisoner in the Lord. They haven't captured me. I'm free and they don't even know it. But I'm in the Lord. And I beg you to lead a life of the calling to which you have been called. I'm reading from the NRSV, by the way, sorry. If uh, I don't know what version you've got, but it doesn't matter, they're all good. With Verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, a common theme through Paul's teaching. Making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all, one church, one people, one God, one Jesus Christ, one Holy Spirit, one people. 
But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift to us. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave spirit a gift to his people. When it says he ascended, in brackets this is, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might uh, fill all things. Close brackets. Verse 11. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and some teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until all of us, right across the globe, there's said to be something like 2.2 million Christians um, in, in, our, in our world, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and um, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. There it is again. He hangs everything on this love that comes, this authentic love that comes from knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. We must grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, fully equipped. Ephesians 1 tells us that we have every spiritual blessing that comes from heaven. So we are fully equipped as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Thanks be to God. Wow, that's a lot of stuff in there, isn't it? We're not going to go through every verse by any means. But I've um, in, in the scriptures, it's headed the unity of the body. And I've sort of... Um, felt this sense of calling. It's called, Paul talks about the calling. So I've headed it up as uh, called to unity in the body of Christ. Um, and what is that calling? You know, calling is a, a tricky word to play around with and we're going to unpack that just a little bit um, in the time that we have together. Uh, but um, this call to be uh, a united church is a theme way beyond um, our time and our generation. It goes back thousand two thousand years at least if not further than that and I once heard this anecdote that um, I, I'll share with you and it goes something like this um, two men met each other and they were chatting they both found out that they were Christians so one asked the other are you a Protestant or a Catholic and the other said that uh, I'm a Protestant. And he went, yes, so am I. I'm a Protestant too. Okay, what denomination are you from? And the other guy said, I'm a Baptist. Yes, so am I. Wow, we're getting along so well. So are you the Northern Baptist or the Southern Baptist? And he says, well, I'm, I'm Northern Baptist. Yes, so am I. Wow, and they went on like this, talking and sharing about where, where their roots come from in terms of their background in church, in church and, and Christian journey. And finally, he asked, so, are you Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879? Or are you Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? And the guy replied, I'm Northern Conservative Fundamental Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. And he said, you heretic. <laughs> you know, 
there's this book by, um, by John Ortberg. Anybody read the John? Um, uh, everybody's normal until you get to know them. Yeah? You know, we meet each other, and we, get, we connect, and, and then when we start to discover more of each other, sometimes it doesn't always go in the right direction. And uh, Paul's not dealing with um, disunity in, 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 this, in the um, Ephesian church, in Ephesus. He's, he's, he's encouraging them because their, 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 their bishop is, is locked in prison. And, and, and they're concerned for him because he was there three years. He was, that's the longest he spent his ministry was in, in uh, Ephesus, uh, three years. He normally went up to about 18 months, but here he stays. So he's got a real deep connection with these guys. And uh, he's encouraging them, even though he's physically chained up in prison, locked away in prison. So um, he's he's writing to to continue building them up. And that's what we should be doing, building each other up. So I've got sort of four points for us um, to look at today. Um, What is our calling? I, I, I see generally there's four areas that we need to understand of what it means to be called by God Um, and it's called to be his disciples to follow Jesus Um, and as simple as that is it simple not always simple in some places it is in our country it's quite easy to follow Jesus it's a passive persecution but by and large we can we can work it through we're called to be united as a church not just uh, locally but globally Um, regardless of doctrine and so on and so forth that's a big challenge called uh, for service, to be a part, to participate in what God is doing in the here and now, where I am, wherever that may well be. And we're called for community, understanding the context of where God has placed us for a time such as this. So we'll touch on the first one uh, for for a little while. And uh, he says, I therefore a prisoner in the Lord. That's where he starts. It reminds me of that passage. I don't think I said it in the first service. I'm getting carried away. I get a little bit carried away at times. Uh, Philippians 3.10, it says, I want to know Jesus. In a sense, that's enough. But Paul goes on and he says, and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his suffering. I don't know if I really want that bit, actually, the suffering. But that's the way of the cross. And we'll come back to that. By becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. We know Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's a tall order. That's a calling for all of us. And it's tough. It can be tough. But we're called to be uh, transformers, to, to be transformers of change, to be God's transformers, godly transformers, changing the atmosphere, changing the attitude, changing what, the, what is the temperature of, of what's going on. Um, Ephesians 6 talks about the equipping ourselves with the body of armour. We're called to be disciples, to make disciples. That wonderful passage in Matthew 28 talks about that now he has um, released us all, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. That is the call of every disciple. That's not just one church's mission statement. That is the mission statement of Christendom, to make disciples, baptizing them. Um, I've had the privilege and pleasure of baptizing people in all circumstances, in the river, in a lake, in a quarry, in a swimming pool, um, in church as well, um, which is always helpful. Um, Us Baptist churches, we do love a good baptism, don't we? We get really excited and see people's lives transformed. 
Um, yeah, anyway, sorry, getting, getting carried away. So where am I? Uh, so there's a sharing in the good news. Now, it took me 28 to get this good news, 28 years to get this good news. I'm, just a, I'm a bit of a slow learner. It takes me a little while to catch up. Several people have tried to witness to me, um, but um, it hadn't gone anywhere because I was a little, bit of a, a little bit of a rebel as a youngster. And uh, I, get, I, I love getting into, I used to love getting into trouble. Um, I, just, I just love life. I, I mean, I've got such a zeal for life. I, I'm an opportunist. I've been told I'm, I'm entrepreneurial, and I thought, well, am I? <laughs> I just seek opportunities. And even before I was a Christian, I was so excited about life. Sometimes I'd come home, to, I'd say to my wife, June, I said, I'm just nipping out, I'm going to go and buy a car. Right? So I went out to look for a car, and I came back. She goes, well, did you, did you buy the car? I said, no, but I bought something else. She goes, what you bought? I said, I bought a business. <laughs> I went down the pub to buy a car, and I come back with two snack wagons. Right? <laughs> and she goes, well, how are you going to run those? You've got a full-time job. I said, well, that's where you come in, darling. <laughs> yeah, she's a saint. I tell you, she's put up with me, and that's just not, that's not, that's not the half of it, right? She's had to put up with a lot. But anyway, um, so, so I, I just have a zest for life. And then, and then all of a sudden, uh, she convinced me to go to one of these alpha courses. I said, oh, as long as you shut up about it I'll go once and that was it I was hooked in I was in and I was like I thought I knew what love and life and an exuberant joy was until I met the Lord in a real relevant radical refreshing way and it radically radically transformed me and I love life even more I wasn't even looking well I didn't think I, I wasn't looking here but obviously deep down I was looking and searching for something more than what this world can offer so our calling is to be agents of change, um, sharers of the good news, uh, disciples for Jesus, and, and transformers in the world that we live in. Now, um, I want to show you a little clip of Transformers, actually, funny enough. <laughs> it moves me nicely into the, uh, the film Transformers. I don't know if you've seen Transformers, but it's about um, two um, sort of um, machines that come from outer space, and Megatron is the bad guy, Optimus Prime is the good guy, um, Megatron is trying to destroy the universe, destroy the, um, sorry, the humans, because the humans are making a mess of it. We do make a mess of it. Look at our politics. It's a mess, isn't it? I'm not going to go there, but it is a shambles. Um, so, so, so Megatron comes along and he tries to destroy it, but Optimus Prime is defending them. And I want you to listen to the two words that really come up in this, uh, in this clip. It's only a very short clip, about a minute and a half, but listen to the words that come up, really powerful.
Awesome, awesome. What were the words there? Who can remember the words? Anyone? Humans don't deserve to live, Humans don't deserve to live but they deserve to choose. And this is, when I listened to this, I thought, wow, what, what a gospel message. Humans deserve to die. That's the Satan's objective, is to destroy us. But through God's amazing, infinite wisdom, he revealed the cross that would save us through Jesus Christ. Because we do have the choice. I don't know what you um, see. Um, I'm sure we would have as many p- different people that are here in the church. We'd have different um, uh, you know, one-liners or one-words um, as we look at the cross. This one's got Jeremiah uh, 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you to make you prosper, etc. And, uh, but um, June and I were sort of talking about the cross, and, and June spoke quite prophetically. That's my wife, by the way, um, and uh, not just some random name that I spoke, uh, but found in the street or anything. Um, and, um, and, well, we did meet on a blind date, but anyway, that's another story. Um, but, um, I, and, and I, we're talking about the cross, and she said, oh, the cross is like a target. I thought, ooh, that's quite quite profound and so I started reflecting a bit more again on the cross and I held the cross up and I thought yeah it is like a target and as I thought about um, you know the time that Jesus um, willingly went to the cross um, the the Satan as I was just thinking about this was planning this all along and God understood what was going on but the Satan thought he'd orchestrated all of this and made this possible to get rid of God <laughs> and, and he deceived himself and, and he, he, he orchestrated the opportunity of, or thought he orchestrated the opportunity of, of Jesus going to the cross. We know Jesus chose. Jesus did not get forced to go to the cross. He chose. He was in the garden, sweat like blood of uh, sweat were coming from him saying, Father, take this cup off, away from me, but your will be done. And even on the cross, Jesus has forgiven them, for they know not what they do. He was talking about the Roman Empire. He was talking about uh, Jerusalem. He was talking about his own family. He was talking about his disciples that that disowned him, that ran away because they were scared of the power of the cross. And the power of the cross was set up for death and destruction. It was a form of execution. And we wear it around our necks, which is a bit bizarre anyway. But it is a beautiful thing because what Satan thought he could use for death and destruction, God reversed that for life, resurrection and hope. Through the cross, at that moment when Jesus descended, particularly the disciples thought it was all over. They really thought it was over. They thought, we thought he, he's going to come and, and, and deal with the powers of this world. And then he rose. And then the Holy Spirit was poured out upon all of them. And the movement of the church just exploded in unthinkable volumes of people. And it's been growing ever since. It is not decreasing. The church is not decreasing. Some denominations might be, but the church is growing. It's not dying. I remember I was, um, when I was a youth um, minister in our church, I, I was in the office um, working and uh, I heard a school outside and they said, um, oh, and I heard the RE teacher saying, yeah, this is the Christian church, it's dying. And I thought, Ugh. so I rushed outside. I said, hello, I'm, my, my name's Brian, I'm the youth pastor here. Uh, what, what are you up to? Oh, we're doing this RE thing, going around churches and having a look and reading the plaques on the wall and all that jazz. I said, would you like to come in and like you? We had drums and guitars and our seats all laid out, very 
modern church. This is uh, where, where the church that I, I first went to when I became a Christian. And, um, and, and I, I, I managed to put some stuff on and to, to tell them about how the church is growing. And the RE teacher was going, <laughs> I thought, yes, gotcha. But the, the cross was, was a target of death and destruction. God is able to turn all of that around to bring new life, hope, perfect love because of his love for us. So I, therefore, the prisoner in the law, Paul says, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. You are called to be you. You are called to be you, a child of God, living a sacrificial life for the glory of the king. If that's where it stops, that's enough, all right? That's enough. But there's more, because there's always more in God. The second point is a calling of the church to keep the unity we're called to be united in our differences. You know, there's a key things, isn't there? Jesus died, Jesus rose, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King. There's power in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the authority, the Holy Spirit is the power of Jesus in us. And uh, if we can live our lives like that, God is able to do so much more than we can ever, ever imagine. So keeping, is, it, keeping the unity is not simple. It is a challenge. Um, it is a massive challenge because um, we're all different people, you know? Um, some, some like um, coffee, some like tea. And unless your coffee's done a particular way, my wife's really fussy. She likes weak tea. I like normal tea, <laughs> ordinary tea, you know? Now we've had to go to decaf. So I've had to get rid of my caffeine pickup in the morning because she likes decaf. And actually, it's pretty good. <laughs> so she's right most of the time. I just don't like to admit it. But we're called to be united. And if we're united personally with God and united with our family, that makes the next step much more achievable because then congregationally, we've got to be united. That helps us to be strengthened um, as, a, as a small body, as a, as a church within churches, uh, within the church, as a church within the church. And then locally, our community, denominationally, I come from an ecumenical uh, background. I say I didn't become a Christian until I was 28, but we went to an ecumenical church, Baptist, Methodist, United, Reformed. Um, and it's beautiful. It worked. It doesn't always work. Um, we understand that. But we should be striving towards making it work because that's part of our calling to be united, Paul says. And globally, we've got brothers and sisters right across the world. Um, my eldest son and I travelled in, in, uh, um, in October, November in 2017, right across Africa, right across India, right across uh, um, Israel, meeting brothers and sisters from all over the world. We were so blessed. It was absolutely awesome. But we're called to make sure we keep everything together for the glory of God. What's that? That's a big but, isn't it? There's lots of big buts in our churches. There's big buts all over. I'm not talking about these buts, okay? So don't, I'm not trying to be rude here by any means. Um, but, 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 but. Yeah, but. It can be traditionalism. It can be styles of worship. It can be personality clashes. It can be theological differences. And it can be all kinds of stuff. Oh, you know, you're all about the young people. What about us elderly people? Or the other way around, you're all about the elderly people. When I was a youth worker, my pastor taught me. He said, Brian, the problem with you is you're too much for the young people. You're too far over here. I was never called to be a youth worker, but God really did bless it. So I thank God for that because I'm not very good at planning, right? Um, I've learned over the years. I, I, I like waking up in the morning saying, ah, what, can, what's, what are we going to do today? Um, obviously, you've got jobs and all that kind of stuff. But um, I, in, in the early days, um, I had to really 
learn how to plan and strategize. But anyway, I used to do loads of stuff with young people. And he said, the problem with you, Brian, you're too far over here with the young people. And we only had about um, half a dozen young people, youth then, teenagers. And he said, um, when, when he came to our church, we had about, I don't know, 20 or 30 then. And then um, by that time, I was a volunteer. And I was in the middle, and the, the adults were over here, and the youth were over here, and my pastor said, you keep going over here too much, Brian. What you need to do is you need to bring the two together so they overlap. So that was our vision for eight years. Eight years it took us to get there. Eight years. Um, so I'm a bit slow, as you can see, right? But it worked. It, we did get it there. Um, and that's the, what we, we bring ourselves together and all our differences. And we, the but is the Satan, the Satan is saying, yeah, but he's better than you. Or, oh, yeah, but you know, what, you know what she's like? She's all about herself. And we get those buts in church. Oh, yeah, but the Catholics, they're not really Christians, are they? <laughs> you know, or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, but they don't know how to read scripture as well as I do. <laughs> but... And that big buck gets in the way of our um, unity. And we've got, to, we've got to protect it because it says in Mark's gospel that um, if, if we're divided, then how can a house stand if it's divided against itself? That house will not be able to stand. God has equipped us with all the spiritual blessings to make that work. Eugene Peterson puts it like this. Um, sort of um, reading from Paul has the Messiah been chopped up into loads of little pieces so that each one of us has a relic all of our own you're acting Paul says as though Christ were a chunk of meat a commodity you can buy down the local butcher shop something to be hacked up and diced up and passed around like odeurs at a party sometimes we are literally tearing the body of Jesus apart when we have conflicts with one another or denominationally, we've got to seek a way of walking together in our beautifully rich diversity because everybody has a part in the kingdom of heaven on earth to build on the kingdom. We are kingdom builders. That's what God has called us to be. So we must work towards that. Okay making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the house, in the bond of peace. So the third point is calling of every believer to serve. We are called to serve. We have a faith that works. You know, that's, uh, that's an old teaching from the 16th century. Um, uh, I believe it's Martin Luther said, it's a faith that works. Well, even James says it in his book, faith without works and works without faith doesn't happen, does it? You know, we are called to make church work where we are. And uh, I know my faith causes me want to want to be a part of church. When 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 I became a Christian, June had been a Christian three years before I had. She'd been praying for me for three years, and and then she came to Christ. Uh, then I came to Christ, and then after that, she said, "Lord, can you slow him down? <laughs> He's going a bit crazy. He's going to every single meeting. I'm a meeting junkie. <laughs> I've got this bizarre thing. I love meeting with Christians. So um, you know." Um, Although I like to slow down on those meetings because they can be a little bit too much at times. But God has called us to um, live a faith that works. 
And this calling of um, where do we serve, how do we serve? Well, you serve where it's needed. You may have a special gift, but where is the church that you're a part of? Does it need that yet? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But serve where it is needed to add value to what God is already doing in that place. And whatever you do, do it with excellence. Put your whole heart and soul into it. I was, sorry, Mark, I'm going to embarrass you if you can, I don't know where you are, but he, he was saying, I love putting the chairs out nice and neat. And he goes, I love making sure people have got space. And, and I thought, wow, that's a ministry. That is a ministry, putting chairs out, because I'm fussy with chairs. So when I heard that, I thought, God, you've got a ministry. You've got church. You know what it's all about. So well done, Mark. God is so excited over you. And we have expertise. We have skills um, that we may not use in church, but they're expert skills. There's a lot of professional people here, I'm sure. Um, doesn't matter if you haven't. Whatever skills you have, they are transferable. They are transferable. As I say, one guy tried to lead me to Jesus when I was 15. So I managed to lead him away from Jesus. I know that's not good. Um, but I, I, I learned some years later that I had the power of influence. We all have the power of influence. And thank God, when I became a Christian, I got back in contact with him and he's back with the Lord again. So hallelujah, not always lost. And I said to him, you won, you beat me. Uh, you're back with the Lord and we can fellowship together in a, in a real spiritual way now. And there are specialist gifts. Um, people are gifted, anointed, uh, as, as the list was said, uh, um, as I read it out. But there are others we know that the Bible reminds us in the book of Corinth and the uh, book of uh, Romans. And there's all kinds of stuff um, adding on to what's already been said. Uh, ministering or administration, exhortation, generosity, leadership, um, c- compassion, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, discernment of spirits, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. And this is not an exhausted list. There is more to it than that because there is more in God. Where does it say youth workers? There must be more because we've got gifted youth workers in our churches. We've got gifted families workers. We've got gifted um, worship leaders. We've got gifted um, people that set the church up. Maintenance. It doesn't say maintenance, but we've got gifted people in all kinds of places for the building of God's kingdom on earth because we, we, we stand in the gap of heaven and earth, with one foot in heaven and one foot on the earth. And uh, we're, we're not to be of the world, but to be in the world. We all know that. Um, but sometimes it's really hard and we get sidetracked. Um, but we always have to come back to, to what are we doing? Why are we here? What are we here for? You are born to worship God. Amen. Amen. Because you were created by his hands. You were knitted together by him before you were knitted together in your mother's womb. He knew you way before that. So if you want to know who you really are, draw closer and closer to God and he'll show you because we are kingdom builders. We are to be um, kingdom builders in our homes and in our churches, in our communities and in our workplaces, in our schools and in our social spaces. We are called to be kingdom builders wherever God has placed us. Because he's prepared us for a time such as this. You are ready. You don't feel ready. When I got called into Baptist ministry, I, I went to the, uh, um, the, the minister's um, meeting thing where I had to do a little presentation and all that kind of jazz. And I knocked at the door and I, I thought, right, I'm ready for this. If they say no, that's cool. I just need a little bit more practice. And as I rung the bell to go in the office, I thought, what did they say 
yes. I thought, oh my goodness, mate, what do I do? And if they say yes, because I don't feel ready, because I was thinking, well, you know, if they say no, that means I just need a little bit more training and a little bit more experience in Baptist churches, because I was in Methodist circles before a Baptist. I was doing a lot of preaching there, and, um, and I thought, wow, you know, um, what if God says yes, or they say yes, uh, what do I do? And they said yes, and I was like, oh, wow, that's great, oh, what do I do now? And I sort of panicked a little bit, because I was scared. Um, we, we are kingdom builders, um, and you know, um, God has written our names, not just on the palms of his hands, but he's also written a special name, a unique name that you do not know yet. It's for you, and it's been there since the beginning of time. And it says it in, uh, in Revelation uh, chapter 2, verse 17, and part of it says this, I will, give you, I will give you a white stone, and on the white stone is written a new name that no one knows except the one who receives it. I don't know what that name is. My wife did try to change my name. My name's Brian, and uh, she tried to change the I for a Y. Well, my mother was not having that. <laughs> And they haven't got on sins, actually. But there you go, we're working on that. But um, I haven't got white, white stones, I've just got red bricks. I just took them out of our house. No, I didn't really. Um, but um, let me just, um, what's your name? Mara. Amara. 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 Oh, can you spell that for me then? I thought we got that wrong. Goodness me, bless you, thank you. <coughs> Amara. Amara, you've, your parents gave you that name, I guess? Yeah. Is that your dad? Oh, well, you've got a good dad. You've got a good dad. He's a lovely guy. Um, and, and you're happy with that name, Amara? Yeah. If, you were, if God said to you, Amara, what name would you like? I've got a special name for you. What do you think it would be? What, what, would, you, what would you choose? Did you, would you? Um, any other name? Have you ever thought about another name? I like the name Harriet. Harriet. Any, any, any reason? I just like the name. Just like the name? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But God has given us... All each a unique name, like our well, our DNA is all unique, and our name that God has given us is unique, and we are part of His kingdom, building on His kingdom. Now, when um, when 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 we're building the kingdom, when we're building church, it's all about people. We know that it's not about bricks and mortar, but um, the more we become rooted in Him, the more we can be cemented together and fit together really well. But often there comes tension and, and stresses and strives and struggles and and temptations and sin and and all of that stuff that causes the church to sort of start to wobble and be out of place, and 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 they rub and 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 it starts to deteriorate. And and if we don't pay attention to it, it starts to fall apart and and the bricks become loose we become loose and we fall apart has anybody ever experienced people falling out of the fold yeah that's hurt doesn't it you know when uh, Paul reminds us that when one person hurts the whole body suffers now um what do you do then? That's really hard work because sometimes it takes a lot to bring a person back, to, to, to nurture a person back into shape with God. And, and, and it hurts the church, um, particularly if it's, a, if, it's a, if it's a big one. Now, <clears throat> I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever experienced that or you've ever felt um, that you've fallen out or, or you felt the, the, the force of that. Um, it can hurt. Now, um, can, I, can I have a volunteer? Um, remind me. John, 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 if you can just stand over there for me, John. Just stand over there. Thank you. Um, to catch a fallen brother or sister is hard work. Are you good at catching, John? Yeah. <laughs> Not bricks. Are you good at catching balls? Yeah. Okay. All right. I haven't got a ball. 
But to catch a brother and sister can be really hard work, and it, it can do us some damage. So I'm going to trust you to catch this, all right? Oh, good. He's caught it. <laughs> Thank you. So it's, it's, not, it's not a real brick, okay? <laughs> it is a real brick. It's a soft brick, okay? Would I throw a brick at a congregation? No, I wouldn't. Um, but we are part of the building of God's kingdom on earth. And he's preparing us for the kingdom to come. I'll put them down there just in case they fall um, and uh, cause uh, some damage. Um, and, and, it, and, and that's tough when that happens in our churches. And it happens far too often. But our calling is to keep the unity with each other. And if we are rooted in the first calling, following Jesus, wanting to know Jesus, you know, everything about us, to our children, to our neighbours, um, you know, sometimes people find it really hard to share. On, my, on one of my cars, my old banger cars, uh, I had on a sticker on there, it says, thank God for Jesus. And I come out from work one day, and uh, there's some guys looking at my car like this. And I thought, what are they looking at? And I come from a bit of a notorious background and I, I got into a lot of fights and stuff like that. So I've got a sort of bit of a, um, I don't know, a posture about me that I think, what are they looking at? And I'm getting in my car and I'm thinking, so I went up to him and I said, what are you looking at? We're looking at that on your car. And I look around and I, he goes, do you believe all that? I said, yeah, why? you got a problem with that? <laughs> I didn't mean it to, to, to aggravate them or to cause offence, but so sometimes we, we are so apologetic, aren't we? Well, yeah, I, I, I do actually. You know, Jesus is my Lord. <laughs> no, Jesus is my Lord! Because through him I get power that I've never had. Power to love people that are said to be unlovable. We get that power. You know, I've, I, I never said I love my mum until I became a Christian. I, I used to when I was little, but somewhere along the line I stopped doing that. My, my, my youngest daughter said to me, and we was at a festival, and I was hugging June, and I said, oh, I love you. And she goes, oh, Dad. <laughs> My daughter goes, oh, Dad, I've never heard you say that to Mum. I thought, she'd never heard that. Why has she never heard that? She should hear it. I say it all the time, but she never heard it. My children should hear me say, I love my wife. I love my Lord. Because people love to love. We're born to love. We're born from love. We're created by love. And to be equipped for every service that God has called us to be. There it is up there. You know, um, yeah, I'll give you one. That's, a, that's 217. We are kingdom builders. We are to build on the kingdom. We are gifted to build on the kingdom. My final point is this. Calling in every local context. We are called to understand what God is saying to us in our local context. We are called to have our own vision. The 28, Matthew 28 is for all churches right across, but we have a specific vision for, he has a vision for each local church and it needs to be backed up with prophetic affirmation. Um, oh, sorry. Um, <clears throat> he has um, a mission for us or multiple missions. You've probably got many mission um, focuses in your church. He calls us to plan and to strategize. That's the one I used to struggle with, but it's so important. He's called us to know our com communities. He's called us to be the church in our local context. Breton Baptist Church is called and prepared to do what God wants in your context and he's prepared you for a time such as this. He has the, uh, we have the royalty of Christ over us. And until uh, we, we really cement that uh, unity in our diversity, 
um, we won't see the real power of God um, really flood through. We're, I'm hung- Who's hungry here for revival? I'm hungry. You know, in Milton Keynes, um, there's going to be a massive Billy Graham. It's not Billy Graham, it's his son, um, Franklin um, Graham. Um, um, yeah, Franklin Graham. No, is it John, John Graham? Oh, it doesn't matter. His son. <laughs> a big revival um, crusade in Milton Keynes Stadium next year, 2020. Um, we need more of those. We need big, big um, events where we can invite our brothers and our sisters and our mothers and our fathers and our neighbours to come along, try it out. Just try it once. Try it once. Maybe Sunday's not a, an easy w- way to do that, but there are other ways. Just try it out. And uh, Desmond Tutu says this, and you remember the rainbow in the Bible? This is the sign of peace. The rainbow is the sign of prosperity and justice, and we can have it when, we, when all the people of God, the rainbow people of God, work together. Living for Christ is to literally die for at times. Living and dying for Christ is working it out together during a time such as this. It's been there in in Psalm uh, Psalm 133. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the beard, running down upon the beard on... um, Sorry oil on the head, running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore. We're called to be followers of Jesus. We're called to be united brothers and sisters across the world. We're called for service, to serve God in whatever way is needed and possible. We're called to know our community. We're called to be God transformers, to be God's agents of change, to be ambassadors of hope, history makers, church builders, the movement people of God, as N.T. Wright would say. Christ followers, disciples, reconcilers, as God reconciled the world to himself, just that some reject it. And we've accepted it. We have the hope of the world. We have the power of the kingdom of heaven within our grasp. And God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever imagine, it says in Ephesians 3, verse 20. God can do immeasurably What you can't do, don't worry. You just do what you do and let God fill the gap. For our God is mighty and is able to do many things. So I conclude. Where are you in your calling? Have you, I remember one person said, oh, I feel called to do missionary work. I want to go abroad. Go and do it. I felt I was called to go to Uganda and live in Uganda. Thank God. Um, somebody with uh, much better wisdom than I said, Brian, are you really? Are you really? And they prayed over me and it became very clear I was not called to go and be a missionary in Uganda, but I was called to support a missionary in Uganda. June and I support a missionary in Uganda, who was a young person in our, in our youth group. Um, <coughs> and uh, so, so if, you're, if you're wrestling with your calling, don't. Just keep doing what you're doing. If you've been disappointed and let down or feel, feel some kind of, um, I don't know, rejection or disappointment or sadness, you know, don't let that rob what God is already doing in you. Don't look at what you're not doing. Look at what you're doing. If you're feeling I'm not doing much and you're feeling guilty, guilt is a good thing as long as you act upon it. Okay? So if you're feeling guilty, that's because I believe God is prompting you. 
Now, it might be that Satan's getting at you and you need to come to God and say, what's this guilt about? If it's guilt because something happened and it's still hanging over you, receive prayer ministry. Let it go. Break those chains. Don't live in that. You know, maybe you feel you've made mistakes. You know, mistakes aren't a sin. Mistakes aren't necessarily a sin. If we, if we deliberate in sinning, yeah, that's a sin. But if we've made a mistake, God, God isn't saying, you bad, horrible person. Don't live in that lie of disappointment because of a mistake. Receive healing and wholeness through Jesus Christ. Wherever you are, you and I are called to be kingdom builders. God loves you just the way you are, but loves you too much to leave you that way. Rise up, church, for the glory of God. Let us pray. Let's just pause for a moment. Father God, we just uh, want to say, I surrender. I surrender to you. I want more of you. Less of me, more of you. Let us receive from you now. Let the band reassemble. Let us just remind ourselves that we are kingdom people. We want to add value to what God is already doing and what God has got planned for us. May we step up and step in. For you are an awesome God. Reveal to us the secrets of your hearts and help us to continue being one with you, one with each other, one in the Spirit, one church. This we pray. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.